Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, September 11th. Here are election 2020 updates from today's show. Consider this. There are 18-year-olds who will vote in this November's election who were not alive on September 11th, 2001. They don't remember the raw pain and trauma and where they were that day as they watched the towers go down, that pit in your stomach, that feeling of vulnerability, that sense that America's vacation from history was over. For that matter, we have soldiers in our military today who were also born after the attack that prompted our intervention where they serve. But the events of the day cast a very long shadow that has affected everyone, often in ways we forget or fail to fully appreciate. Joe Biden was on an Amtrak train that Tuesday morning when his wife Jill called to tell him about the attacks on the World Trade Center. And when he reached Washington, he grew frustrated that he couldn't get to the Senate floor for a speech because the U.S. Capitol had been evacuated. Hundreds of miles to the north and four miles from ground zero, Donald Trump was sitting in a tower bearing his name, watching CNBC, and preparing to call a local TV station to offer his own commentary, including a lament that the stock market had been forced to close. 19 years later, Trump and Biden are their respective parties' presidential nominees, and both of them today will visit Shanksville, Pennsylvania, the place where United Flight 93 crashed into a grassy field. It will bring the two candidates to the same place on the same day, and it comes less than three weeks before they face off in their first debate. My colleague Matt Viser observes that the 9-11 attacks targeted the cities that molded these two men, Washington for Biden and New York for Trump, and it reinforced the clashing worldviews they now offer the American people. Biden's embrace of U.S. institutions and global alliances, Trump's distrust of foreigners, and his insistence that America must go it alone. That divide is playing out amid another great national trauma, one Americans are handling in a very different way. If 9-11 prompted a rare moment of national unity, with Republican and Democratic leaders embracing on the Senate floor, the current pandemic is yielding another bitter partisan debate over everything from death rates to who's at fault. The events, of course, are very different. One, a massacre by terrorists bent on humiliating America, and the other, a global pandemic that recognizes neither borders nor ideology. Nearly 3,000 people died on 9-11, and close to 190,000 Americans have lost their lives so far to COVID. In their Shanksville visits, Biden and Trump will appear on a field that memorializes the bravery and toughness of ordinary Americans. That day, a 32-year-old named Todd Beamer tried to place a call through an airphone and was routed to customer service. He told the operator that some of the passengers were planning to attack the hijackers and regain control of the aircraft after they had learned about what happened in New York and at the Pentagon. Todd's last words before the line went dead were, Are you ready? Okay, let's roll. That morning, Biden's daughter, Ashley, then a college student, called him and begged him to leave Washington. The senator instead marched to the Capitol, reaching the steps before a police officer stopped him and told him that a fourth plane 
the plane that Todd and the others would eventually crash in Shanksville, was heading toward Washington, and some thought the Capitol. But if that moment in 2001 was about unity, it contained the seeds of our present era of division, at least when it comes to the two men facing off on November 3rd. For both Biden and Trump, the attacks did not so much transform their worldviews as solidify them. On 9-11, Trump was watching CNBC as it prepared to interview former General Electric CEO Jack Welsh when the network cut away to a scene of the first tower on fire. One of Trump's first reactions when the plane hit was to call a TV show to offer commentary. Later, he visited Ground Zero and cited the attacks to challenge immigration policies, religious tolerance, and the need for the very global alliances that Biden has spent decades embracing. Trump claimed that he saw the plane strike the second tower and that from his window, he observed the tragedy of people jumping from the buildings. These are claims fact-checkers have questioned. Trump also later said he watched on television as thousands of Muslims cheered in Jersey City, New Jersey, when the towers came down, an assertion that has been repeatedly debunked, but which the president has never backed away from. The most volatile foreign policy question after 9-11 was whether to launch a war in Iraq. Both Biden and Trump have significantly exaggerated their initial opposition to it in the years since. Biden and Trump have only hardened their divergent approaches in the years since the invasion of Iraq. For Trump, the attacks have fueled his skepticism of foreigners, led to Islamophobic reactions, and cemented a distrust of traditional alliances, whether NATO or, more recently, the World Health Organization. For Biden, the attack enhanced his faith in the importance of the Western alliance and triggered calls for bipartisan camaraderie and compromise. He still voices those calls. In fact, the floor speech that Biden planned to give in the Senate on 9-11 was about the importance of institutions like Congress and NATO as bulwarks against assaults on democracy. Biden wouldn't give the speech, but later that day, he made the same point as he talked to reporters outside the Capitol, where he said, quote, I refuse to be part of letting these bastards win. Thanks for listening. I'm James Homan. If you want to hear full episodes, find The Daily 202 every weekday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. 